Everything, baby, about to me. To me. Welcome back to the Charlie Tina Show. Presented by Ameren, Illinois, on 590 The Fan and 590TheFan.com. That was not Eddie Kendrick, that was Howard Balser. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard that one in a while. I love that. That's, that's a great song. It, yeah, that, that's. Woo. The words to that song are impeccable. That's mm-hmm. a great song. That's is that the title? Is that is that title? You're my everything. You're right? my everything. That's what I thought. Oh, yeah. that's oh. oh, that's one of the best. Like I said, with all the great songs, well, that's one I haven't heard in a while. Well, let me let Joe start off the show tonight. Go ahead, Joe. Ooh, oh, wow. yeah. Uh, this just in, according to uh, Adam, Adam Schefter. Schefter. Oh boy. Uh, this just Woo! this just in. The Cowboys <laughs> are not making a head coaching change, and Mike McCarthy is returning for the 2024 season. Breaking news. <laughs> breaking news. We all right. knew. Bre- breaking, breaking news. I guess the next one we're waiting for is what happens in Philadelphia. But I, I, actually, I actually think Jerry Jones is making the right decision here. I agree. And I know many will probably disagree, as will many fans, I'm sure, of the Cowboys. But... When, when you look at that situation, I'm sure what he determined was that, okay, bad loss, bad game, bad performance on both offense and defense, right? What's interesting to me is how Dan Quinn is Mr. Popular among coaching interviews, and that defense was shredded in that game by the Packers. And so, but if, if you end up... Ch- you know, changing out Mike McCarthy, then what are you doing? You're you're taking a step back on offense because he, you know, obviously Dak Prescott and the whole offense, they know the offense, they're comfortable with it and all those things. And now if you change out McCarthy, then you're going to change the entire offense. You mentioned, and, and, you mentioned something on Frank's show the other day, and it was about me and you don't realize it. You said, I think I told someone – Past year to watch out for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, yeah. and mm-hmm. that was me. <laughs> was it you? You that laughed me. at me. Yeah, I did. Okay, that was well, me. <laughs> but, and, if you rem- and if you remember my explanation at the time when I was when there were guffaws with that, I said, I said, look, I'm I'm not predicting. All I'm saying is keep an eye on them. Be and because because I was asked who was the you know a surprise team, and I said because number one the division isn't very good. That that's the thing you start off with. I mean, if 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 Baker Mayfield and that group was in the NFC East or whatever division you want to mention, I probably would not, you know, I probably wouldn't have mentioned them. But the NFC South was won last year by a team by the Buccaneers under five hundred at eight and eight and nine. And I didn't see any team in that division truly that would be much better than that. And that's the way it turned out. Although the you know the Buccaneers were able to win you know win a couple at the end you know at the end of the season, but they were still nine and eight. So it's what you know one game above five hundred. And then I said if Baker Mayfield 
can play the way he has at times in his career when he was with the Browns, and even the way he played last year when he went to the Rams with no practice, basically, and was slinging it and you know played pretty well. So I said, if, so with the talent around him, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, you know, a good young running game that and a pretty good defense. I said, well, yeah, you know, if Mayfield can can play, you know, just solid football, then they could surprise in that division. And I don't even know if being nine and eight is that much of a surprise, actually. But it was good enough to win the division. And then, of course, they played, you know, like they did in that game against the Eagles, where every, everything everything just went white. So it just shows. And I, you know, I mean, hey, you should never laugh at the H man. Right. No, I mean, it doesn't. I, I it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean I'll be right all the time. Yeah, but I just but, know you know, mo- mo- it, mo- most of mo- most of my thoughts are based on yeah. you know a little bit of Facts. instinct. But yeah, in fact, but also things that could happen if they go a certain way. That doesn't mean that they always do. And but hey, whatever. You know, I looked at my. Um, prediction i think i think we talked about this maybe a month or so ago when we were talking about the bills and being in a bit in bad shape and all that and asking me what i picked in lindy's and and so for for the super bowl and i picked how about this i picked the 49ers and the bills really? to get to the super bowl could be you never and, you never and with the way the bills are playing right now i mean th- this this game might be as important as the next one. Well, obviously they got to win it to even have a chance. But playing Kansas City is is a tall order because you know that's going to be probably down to the wire. And then if they win that one, assuming assuming that Baltimore beats Houston, they'd have to beat the Ravens. But heck, if they beat the Chiefs, I mean, hey, you never know. It's certainly not. There's there's certainly anyone who would say that that would be shocking. If they would beat the Ravens in the AFC Championship game, because that's that's when they're playing the way when when they're playing good football, obviously, and when Josh Allen isn't turning it over, then that's a team that's talented enough to beat just about anybody. Go ahead, Joe. Uh, Howard, um, I was I heard a soundbite from Kyle Shanahan today that I thought was surprising, uh, where he said that he was not surprised that the Cowboys lost to the Packers, and uh, in that second quarter of that game, he said he shifted his game plan. To focus completely on the Packers, are the Packers a legit threat? The way Jordan Love's been playing, they they might be. Now I think I, you know to say that they can go into San Francisco and win that game. Obviously, that's a tall order. There's no doubt about that. But when Kyle Shanahan said that, he said it was based on seeing the way the Packers had played in the second half of the season. And Jordan Love is is a different player. I mean, he's made Colin Cowherd, you know, look really good. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's a he went on Fox, you know, Fox Radio back in I think it was late October, early November, whenever it was. And you know, it's one thing to say this guy isn't playing well. You really wonder about is he the guy for them long term? It's one thing to say that, right? But it's another thing to just absolutely categorically say he can't play. Well, he can't play. That was what what he said, and that's the day. But you know what? That's that's the way talk radio is these days. That's right. That's the way. That's the way these segments are on TV, where they have to fill, well, and you want and you want you want it to be, you know, bold bold predictions or bold right. statements and all that. And you also know most of the time you can say something on October twenty eighth, and no one's going to remember it. A month no. or two later, Frank, of, course, social me- of course, with social media, that stuff has a way of being, you know, brought up again. Howard, I'm shocked. I almost fainted the other day, and I thought about you first. 
when Gerard Mayo was named the new head coach of New England. Mm-hmm. And his nickname with the players was Little Bill, the way he, because he just got off the field. I think it's a tremendous hire right now. Well, yeah, it, it, the bottom line is we don't know. You know, everybody. You know, everybody says, "Well, who won the coaching thing, or who won free agency?" Whoever. Well, you you don't know for three years at least, right? And so, obviously, the Patriot, you know, Robert Kraft and everybody there in that organization, they're with this guy, you know, every day. He says he's going to be his own man, which I think you have to be. You can be little Bill to a degree, because obviously, there's a lot of things that he did well. But if you're Gerard Mayo, you have to you have to make your own way. And he has said that there, you know, there will be, you know, probably. You know, some changes. But obviously, Robert Kraft saw something in him that led him to the point, as we learned in the last week, to put it in his contract but, but how, that he, how? Would be the, he would be the coach to succeed Bill Belichick whenever it would be that they would part ways. One so, of the hardest you know, we'll things see, we'll see. that may or may have, he played with some of these guys that are still on the team, I believe. A few of them, not a lot. But no, yeah, there's there. Would that be the hardest problem for him to criticize a guy you played with? It can, it can be, but I think any any player realizes that you know if the coach is coming from the right place, then hey, he he's the boss now, mm-hmm. right? I mean, he's you know, and and a lot of times it's it's how you criticize. I mean, it's not like some coach just goes off on a guy, right? If it's that bad, they probably won't be there very long. But a lot of it, it's just coaching. You know, you're just coaching a guy up. And so, who knows? Gerard Mayo might have been the type of guy that would do that with players himself as a leader. You know, pointing out to guys, hey, this isn't the right way to do it. you got to do this. you got to do that. And that's where I always point to the leadership in the locker room. Because, you know, I look at a team like Philadelphia, and I said this the other day. And everyone, every, you know, the, the, you know, the, you know, the, you know, the, the scalpels are out for Nick Sirianni and everybody's saying he's got to be fired and the Philly fans are beside themselves. But to me, that team, what they did in the last, you know, eight, seven weeks, whatever it was, that that's, that's, that's a problem with leadership in the locker room from players because there were, there was issues there with just effort, especially on defense with tackling. I mean, it was, it was just stunning to watch that team and see how it appeared to be a lack of effort at times. And I think that's what, you know, that's what Gerard Mayo will try to bring to this team. Um, he's going to be obviously have to fashion a good coaching staff and that's going to be the key to any head coach is what kind of staff that he's able to put together. And, of course, the biggest thing that will determine whether he's successful or not is what happens at the quarterback position because they've, they've, got, to, they've got to figure out what is best there, whether it's going forward with uh, Mac Jones, whether it's bringing in someone new, which they are, will be in position to do with the third pick in the draft, and that will determine a huge amount of what – uh, Gerard Mayo is able to accomplish with the Patriots. Um, Howard, uh, sticking with and the ha- and and having the right offensive okay. coordinator to, to to build that you know to to build that quarterback whoever it is. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, uh, and stick with the AFC East. Um, speaking of the Jets and the Dolphins, uh, there's a lot of fans in New York who are saying that maybe Robert Salad needs to be replaced with Bill Belichick, oh. and down in Miami. There's also fans saying that Mike McDaniels needs to go because he hasn't won a playoff game. But I think that's both two ridiculous statements that uh, fans have been throwing out there lately. Well, but, but that you know that's that's the guillotine that exists mm-hmm. for coaches, and it's it's always interesting to me because it's like 
no matter what anybody would say against that to that fire the coach group, right? No matter what you say, well, it's like I, I made a comment the other day. Boy, it was amazing that Nick Sariani couldn't tackle better in the game uh, against the Buccaneers. But if you say that, then someone will say, well, that's the coach's job to get guys to tackle better. Well, to a di- no. Guys know how to tackle. You know, guys know how to play football. And, and most of the time when teams lose or things aren't going well – yeah, coaches are a part of it, but most of it is about just players not doing their job, right? And 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 I look at the Eagles are a perfect example. You know, they were they had a game against the Cardinals uh, week seventeen, and they were leading twenty one nothing. They looked like they were in a roll, and the whole bit. And then the Cardinals fought back and fought back and fought back, and then they attempted an they tried an onside kick after um, after they tied the game with about five and a half minutes to go. Cardinals tied it, went for an onside kick. And people thought Jonathan Gannon was crazy. And he explained afterwards, hey, I did that because I know what Philadelphia's offense is capable of, and I didn't want them to milk the entire clock and go down the field and score to win, and we wouldn't even get the ball back. So I figured, hey, give them good field position. If they do score, we'll have time to get the ball back. And what what I'm getting at, though, is on first down – after I think the Eagles made a first down, and they were around the 21, 22-yard line, something like that. And their really good left tackle, Jordan Melata, was called for holding. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, it was first and 20. And they couldn't recover from that, kicked the field goal to go ahead, and then the Cardinals drove down the field and scored the winning touchdown Power. because because the, the defense was so deficient and you know this is a team that changed its coordinators and when that happens you just don't know how but I'll tell you something I'll tell you one thing Matt Patricia I think has oh. exposed himself <laughs> over the last number of years um, you know in the, you know being good in the cocoon that is the New England Patriots and then being horrible as a head coach in Detroit and then going to the Eagles on a consultant, I think it was just like a senior assistant or whatever it was, and then they name him defensive coordinator because things aren't working out, even though they lost like four or five starters in free agency. And then, okay, it's the coordinator's fault. And then it looked to me like the defense got worse Howard, after Patricia took over. There are four teams that are going to vie for the coach of the year. The Colts, the Browns, Texans, Detroit. I think Stefanski, D'Amico Ryan should win that award. But a lot of people like Detroit's coach. Oh, yeah, no doubt about it. Well, I voted. I don't know if I'm supposed to say this. They tell us they don't really want to say say much. But but, I I am comfortable knowing that it's not like millions of people who are are hearing this, even though I know you you guys have a huge audience. I I, I voted for D'Amico Ryans. And then I voted for Mm. Stefanski as number two and Campbell as number three, three. That's not, I, I would go that okay route. Uh, and you, can, you can make you can make a good case for all of them. And I, I went with Stefanski over Campbell mainly because of what he had to battle through during the season. When did you before, vote before the playoffs? No, after. After. Well, the no, yeah. Oh, yes, before the playoffs. Okay. Yes. You know, the vote has to come in within three days of the end of the regular season. And it's funny though, because some of the awards are going to be announced, and everybody's going to be looking at it and saying, "Boy, yeah, you wish that kind of." Uh, you know, they waited for the playoffs because Joe Flacco could very well be comeback player of the year. Not a good day for him. Uh, uh, quickly, what's you know? going to happen to Deshaun Watson? 
Well, he's their quarter. He's, he's the quarterback. Yeah. yeah, he's their quarterback. The, the, yeah. the thing is, will they bring back Flacco as a backup and be better prepared yeah. if he gets hurt? And they certainly weren't prepared when uh, when Watson got hurt this year. And so they started four quarterbacks. And you know, if it wasn't for Flacco coming in and playing at the level he did, and they probably wouldn't have been in the playoffs. Right. I'm not sure what their record was at the time, but I'm not sure they make the playoffs if if you know if they're if they go forward with either. Well, what's his name? Uh, the rookie Dorian um, was it oh, Dorian, Dorian Thompson Robinson, yes, whatever. Yep. Yeah, these guys with three names always. You know, I forget <laughs> which order they come in, but he got hurt, and then basically they had P.J. Walker, and so you know signing signing Walker. I mean, signing Flacco was was a heck of a move, but yeah, those, those coaches, you know, did a great job. But what, what D'Amico Ryan's did with that team, and I know you can say, well, he didn't coach the offense, and and Bobby Slowick uh, did a great job with with C.J. Stroud and and that offense, but that defense, I mean, that defense was suffocating against the Browns and of course came up with two pick sixes and that has D'Amico Ryan's stamp all over it and the the tone he set on that team with his personality with his leadership uh, to me was just phenomenal so uh, to go from having what the second pick is that what it was second pick no they, they didn't have the same they were a little down yeah. further but whatever it was you know they went from what their record was last year to being in the playoffs Man, that's that's just that's pretty. I'm, I'm going to say this to you because of your knowledge of pro football. Twenty or thirty years ago, black quarterbacks could not play in the league. Uh, they just. I remember what happened to thirty years. Ago. What was my guy from? Uh, uh, well, I'm thinking of, went to uh, went to Canada. Canada Warren Moon. Warren Moon Warren couldn't Moon. play. Yeah. Came back. What? What has changed with the black quarterback is the way they're playing because pocket quarterbacks are still going to be there. Because actually, Patrick Holmes is really a pocket quarterback, yeah, but he knows he, he totally he's got giddy up. And Lamar yeah. Jackson, that's what changed him this year. What changed with the black quarterbacks in the National, <coughs> National Football League? I, I, th- okay. I It's no one answer, but I think, first of all, a lot of it is opportunity. Mm-hmm. And, and I think what we've seen, I think one big part of it tuna is that a lot of talented black athletes are discouraged if not discouraged are discouraged or switched to other positions well before they get to the nfl because and so they say oh we're going to use you and and if they play quarterback a lot of times this is a runner and they don't really get coached well Mm -hmm. in terms of the passing game when they're young. But I think now, as the Warren Moons have come along and other guys, and, you know, and Dante Culpepper uh, going back years and all that. Randall Cunningham. It, 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 Randall Cunningham. What the message it has sent to young kids growing up is no, I want to be a quarterback. Mm-hmm. And I want to be a quarterback. And they, a lot of them, they end up going to the passing, the, you know, the, the quarterback camps. And the quarter, the quarter, you know, there, there's, a, there's a cottage industry in the country right now of former quarterbacks, most of them that weren't great players, and they played at different levels. Like there's a guy here in Arizona, a guy named Dan Minucci. I think he went he went to Kansas or Kansas State, played a bit in the NFL, was just kind of a bit player, and he now coaches quarterbacks. The young kids growing up 
you know, whether it's 10 years old, 12, high school, whatever it is, he coaches them. And then, so just because you, you didn't play at a high level doesn't mean obviously you can't coach it at a high level, the right things to do. And so I think a lot of them are getting trained earlier. And then in college, in college, they're being coached better and coached in more, in, and some of them, yes, run, but they're also being coached better in pro-style offenses, and that prepares them better uh, for the NFL. So I think it's a sea change in a lot of ways that, that the position has, has grown, and you have a renaissance, oh, what's the word, uh, not a renaissance, but you have an awakening, if you will, from coaches who a lot, and a lot of it back in the day was, it was, oh, no, we don't want a black guy as a leader. He can't be the leader of our team. Well, that's changed too. Mm-hmm. And you know what? You know what I learned? To, this is interesting. I'm going to digress for a moment. Because I never realized until I saw a show on ESPN about seven or eight years ago. And they, they did it like a little um, uh, round table with Ray Lewis and Willie Lanier who's an old-time guy played in the AFL back in the you know in the 60s and 70s and a couple of other uh, linebackers and I didn't realize that middle linebackers couldn't be black either <laughs> you know because that because that because that's the the thinking. quote leadership that yeah the thinking position of defense, it's, on the, it's the leadership yeah. thing Willie oh, Lanier awesome. was one of the first ones what? And a lot of that was because he was in the AFL, and they gave him the opportunity to do it. And that's a thing, too. The, I know the AFL was a lot of years ago, but that changed a lot of what the, the way the NFL viewed offense and viewed um, you know, African-American players. I mean, the NFL would hardly even look at HBCUs back in the day. But then the AFL did. Man, the AFL, you look at these guys in the Hall of Fame and, you know, the guys that went to, you know, whatever the school was, whether it was Jerry Rice, Walter Payton. Yeah, Mississippi Valley State, the Delaware State, whatever it was. I mean, that was, so it was an evolution, really, that that did take a while, but it did take root, I think. We're almost out of time. Quickly, where's Bill Belichick going or will he go anywhere? I don't know. I I think it's 50-50 that he goes anywhere. And now, obviously, everybody was saying, oh, oh, what a perfect spot would be Dallas. Well, obviously, that's That's not going to happen. He he, he didn't interview with Atlanta. I don't know what other teams (laughs) might be interested in him. Now, you know, the Chargers seem all in on trying to get well, – I don't know if they, I should say all in, but they interviewed Jim Harbaugh. Now Harbaugh I, I gotta, I interviewed stop. with Atlanta. And so, I don't know, you know, Belichick might not be a bad fit for the – I think the one thing he will do, he wants to go to a place that has a quarterback already. Atlanta he doesn't. doesn't want, and Atlanta doesn't. The Chargers do. But, you know, I don't know if that's – Howard, know, before we let you go, i got to tell you about this real quick. We're out of time, but – I remember Marty Schottenheimer won 14 games yeah. with the Chargers many years ago. Right. Oh, the late, great yeah. Marty Schottenheimer. Yep. He got fired because he didn't win in the playoffs. Well, it was also because he had disagreements with the general manager, mm-hmm. a guy named A.J. Smith. And that was a big part of it, too. But, yeah, he wasn't successful in the playoffs. He has one of the best winning percentages ever, over 600 mm-hmm. in regular season games of his with, entire with career. With Cleveland and, and the Chargers. And the, and, yeah, right, exactly. And then he was – but he's like 5-13 and 13 in the playoffs. But 
the guy could coach. I mean, the guy could coach his butt off, and he just was. It was unfortunate that he get they'd get into the playoffs and and they'd lose the team. But you know what? You look at a lot of coaches, and I was looking at this the other day, with the exception of Belichick, who's sick in his playoff record, which is like thirty-one and thirteen. You've got most of the guys, even great coaches. You know, they're around. You know, I mean, heck, Andy Reid was under five hundred right. in the postseason until you know winning a couple Super Bowls, and he's now I think fourteen and. Nine, but you see a lot of guys eight and nine, nine and eight, ten and nine. So, you know, so you know, eight and nine is not that much better. Yeah, it's better than five and thirteen. But if he hadn't been able to win three of those games they lost, all of a sudden he's eight and ten instead of five and thirteen. So it's hard to win in the playoffs because uh, the best team, the best teams from the regular season are there, and uh, one of them has to lose. How would enjoy the playoff games this weekend? I say the Bills will beat the Chiefs. We'll talk to you next Wednesday. They very well might. Very well might. It'll be it'll be fun, especially with three teams that have head coaches that weren't coordinators. Right. Okay. More Thanks, offensive Howard. or defensive coordinators. Take care, guys. Thank you very much, folks. Thank you very much. We're gonna do. We're gonna do what? What are we gonna do now? Fox Sports. Fox Sports. <laughs> we're gonna. I've got. Uh, I got the hiccups, folks. It's so bad. That water won't help me. How about that twice a year hiccup? I get them twice a year, I get them twice a year. Starting the year early. I got to see an ugly woman to make. No, no women are ugly. All of them Mm -hmm. are not. Look at the women right now. Maybe on the inside. Why?